Welcome to the Life and Legacy Show, where we discuss all things elder law, estate, and legacy planning. Hosted by certified elder law attorney, Tim Seckler, from the Seckler Law Firm. And now your host, attorney Tim Seckler. And welcome to this week's edition of the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm. My name is Tim Seckler. I own the Seckler Law Firm, and we do this uh, radio show. If it's the first time you've checked us out, to give people education on the things I think they need to know to make proper estate planning decisions. Uh, we uh, we do a lot of general information. We are an education-first law firm um, because this stuff can be pretty complicated, and I'm not a big fan of people making big long-term decisions on their family's welfare, uh, their financial welfare, based on uh, lack of information. We've got to get the information out here, and that is the purpose of this radio show. I hope you find it useful. Please understand that this radio show is for your education in information. It is not to be considered legal advice. If you have a legal question, if you have a legal problem, you need to consult with an attorney, us or someone else, to help you get those problems solved. You can find us anytime at secklerlawfirm.com. It is spelled S-E-C-H-L-E-R lawfirm.com or you can give us a buzz at 724-546-4227. So the law firm is located in Cranberry Township right off I-79. Super easy to find. Um, and we've been helping people around the greater Pittsburgh area for quite some time. Uh, we do these radio shows. We invite people to our workshops. You should consider coming to one of our upcoming workshops. Uh, we have a couple in December. We have a couple in January where we're teaching people all about things like wills and trusts and, and powers of attorney and how to protect your assets from things like taxes and long-term care expenses and, and how to avoid probate properly and, and all of the different things that can make um, this these somewhat difficult processes easier in your family, um, save you some money, save you some time, save your family some headache. Uh, and so come to one of the workshops. We're going to teach you how uh, you can protect your family from some of these issues. Now, uh, this episode is is uh, is going to be a fun one. Um, I'm going to discuss my absolute favorite movie on the planet. Happens to be a Christmas movie, so we figured what a great time to chat about this. My absolute favorite movie on the planet is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. It is hilarious in my opinion. I'm not sure they would get away with a lot of this stuff today. Um, it also happens to be like kind of my extended family's favorite movie. I, I've got these images of way back when this thing came out of my dad just howling at the television um, at this movie. And, you know, it, it, it's a thing that we always watch every year, probably a couple of times. Maybe you do too. Fantastic movie. What we're going to do on today's show is we're going to take some takeaways from this movie and, and it's sort of a lawyer's take on all the craziness that was going on in the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And I, I think this could be some fun. Uh, and I think uh, we can actually learn some lessons or two here. And i got to start with looking at Clark, right? So Clark Griswold, the the, the main character of the movie, the, the, the father figure and all the rest, just trying his best to have a great Christmas for his extended family in all the trials and tribulations that he's going through. So, you know, we got a couple of things to talk about with Clark here, though. Clark is not a perfect human. Clark has some spending problems. I mean, what kind of person spends the, um, writes the check for the backyard pool before they receive their Christmas bonus? Not even sure if he's going to get a Christmas bonus. And if I recall correctly, he says in the movie, um, I've been waiting on this Christmas bonus to come because it, until this little puppy arrived, uh, there wasn't enough in the account to cover the backyard pool. 
And so, and then he, of course, gets the, the letter from the boss that is the Jelly of the Month Club, uh, which obviously doesn't get it done, and chaos ensues. But here's the thing. We can't spend money we don't have. Now, of course, you know, it's a funny movie, and Clark probably wouldn't have done this in real life. I don't think many people would have done this in real life. They have a nice home. I assume that there's some money somewhere. Um, but let's let's talk about this issue, because what we're talking about is a spendthrift, somebody who spends money who doesn't have it. Um, and the way you plan for a spendthrift, perhaps there's a spendthrift in your family, uh, maybe you, one of your kids, a grandkid. Uh, we need to protect your kid from your kid. Like A lot of the time when we're doing estate planning for families, the, the, the parents will want to protect the kids from the kids' potential issues like lawsuits and divorces that the kids may encounter later. Fine, that's, that's a great thing to plan for. But when we're talking about a kid with a spendthrift problem, we need to not just protect the kid from his potential creditors and predators. We also need to protect the kid from him or herself. Um, and we typically would do that by having the estate plan create a trust for the person um, so that someone else has the pen to the checkbook so they don't do stupid things like buy pools they can't afford, right? And so spendthrift. If you got a spendthrift in your world um, – we need to plan for that. And the biggest spendthrift in the movie is obviously Cousin Eddie, right? I mean, Cousin Eddie lost the 10 acres, um, sold off the house to buy the, the RV, the recreational vehicle that, that he finally admits that they're living in. Um, and he clearly has made some difficult financial decisions over the years to find himself in this situation. Refuses to work because he is uh, waiting for a management position for years. Um, and, and so we got to think, if you've got a Cousin Eddie in your world, if you've got somebody in your world who needs a little bit of extra help, somebody that's not going to make good decisions, perhaps what we don't want to do is leave that person an inheritance because that money is going to be smoked, right? So it's not just about getting somebody a number in a banking account. It's about providing them with a better standard of living. And so if you really wanted to provide for your Cousin Eddie, you can provide for Cousin Eddie's well-being without giving him a pen to the checkbook, and we do that with a spendthrift trust. We, we say the money can be used for his health care, his education. We, we can actually get him a nice home to live in, um, but he doesn't get to decide. Somebody else has to decide. We, we use a trusted family member or, say, like an attorney or a bank to be the trustee on that trust, and now we've got responsible decision-making. We can provide for the spendthrift's well-being uh, without um, – without making all the mistakes okay so let's let's uh let's stick on cousin eddie for a second we got some other issues with cousin eddie obviously so he's a spendthrift sure but we also the movie also and i guys i know this movie pretty well i didn't even have to do any research i just thought about it um cousin eddie early in the in the, in the movie admits or discusses the older set of kids Right? Clark asks Cousin Eddie about the other kids, and he says that one of his daughters is in rehab getting over the wild turkey. I don't know if you remember this stuff like I do, but so he's got – so what does that tell us? It probably tells us that Cousin Eddie's existing marriage to – I forget her name – is probably a second marriage, maybe. Okay, He's got other children, an older set of children, um, and now he's got this younger set of children who all they want is a gift from Santa Claus because they didn't get one last year. And so – Okay, two issues. One is we got a daughter with a, an addiction, right? She's in the rehab getting over the wild turkey. Um, well, same kind of deal as a spendthrift. We may want to think about how we can support this daughter getting over the wild turkey. 
without giving her the pen of the checkbook, which probably would just go to buy more wild turkey. So, again, kind of the same solution. We put some terms and conditions around how she spends the money. Somebody else gets the pen to the checkbook. Somebody else is making decisions for the person with the addiction issue. If you have somebody with addiction issues in your family, obviously it's not a laughing matter. But in this particular case, the daughter with the, with the addiction on wild turkey, we might want to do some specific planning. Not that I suspect Cousin Eddie actually has anything to leave her in the first place. Um, second marriage issues, though. Second marriage issues are a thing that cause some um, some difficulties in estate planning. There, there is no perfect way to plan for a second marriage. So let's talk about a situation where Cousin Eddie, and I, again, I forget his wife's name. Let's say she has her own kids, right? So, so Cousin Eddie's got two sets of kids. Uh, she has maybe her own kids or these kids. And here's the thing. Here's what happens in these situations. If you're on your second marriage, especially if you bring um, separate children to this relationship, people that are, enter these relationships, these marriages with with children from previous relationships come to this marriage with different um, financial resources. One of them probably has more money than the other. They're not coming in with the exact same amount in their banking account, right? And so then there is usually the desire, especially if you know the marriage goes on for 30 or 40 years, there's always the desire. I want to provide for my wife, but if my wife predeceases me, or when she passes away after I passed away, whatever's left, I want it to go to my kids, not necessarily her kids. They're kind of rude to me. We don't have a great relationship in the first place. So I love my wife. I want to take care of my wife. But if there are leftovers, they go to my children, right? And so how do we do that? We do that with a thing called a family trust, right? So the estate plan creates a support trust for the wife. That trust would say this money goes there. That trust would say that wife probably gets income from that trust for life. And then the wife gets um, distributions of principle for her health care, her education, a reasonable standard of living. And so that trust is there to support the, the surviving spouse's remaining um, assets that she has on her own, right? So she's using her money or supplementing it with this spousal support trust. But then later when she passes away, that trust would then go back to his kids. So we have provided a mechanism to provide for her during her life. Uh, and then when she ultimately passes away, the, the husband, dad's testamentary desires are kept intact. So that is a family support trust, um, which is a pretty common tool to use, in, in, um, especially in second marriages. Families seem to think that, that this makes some sense. Um, all right, so I think there's some other things we could do on Cousin Eddie, but in the interest of, of explaining a few more concepts, what about Clark's liability to the neighbors? Remember Margot next door? Boy, she has a tough run this week. She's got icicles flying through the window. She's got Christmas trees coming through the window. Um, the, uh, you know, and, and Margot, I kind of get the feeling that she doesn't really like her husband in the first place. This is an interesting relationship they have, right? Um, she punches him in the face at the end. Uh, she uh, makes him shower before any romance. She kind of has this sort of off-putting vibe about her. Um, and um, and so let's say that we got Margo with marital issues next door. Um, how do we plan for marital issues? Well, I have a lot of situations where families will come in and they'll, uh, they'll have this kind of conversation about their – uh, their kids and, and you know it, it usually starts like this you know as, as part of the consultation we're getting to know the family a little bit we're asking them about their family and we're asking about their kids and we're going through all of that and at some point in time um, 
she, one of the spouses will say something like, you know, we've got this great daughter. Julie is just wonderful. She's so great. Uh, but she married this guy. And, and whenever I hear the son-in-law referred to as this guy rather than, you know, like a first name, um, usually know where the thing is going. And what they're usually saying is, you know, my daughter married this guy, and we don't really care for this guy. And what happens if I leave money to my daughter and then she finally wakes up and files for divorce from this bozo who doesn't do anything or support her or, or any of the rest. What happens to the money? And, and we do a thing that we call a kids protection trust where the money goes to the trust and then the daughter, Julie, can have access to the money, can manage the money, can use the money, but she never takes ownership of the money. It, it stays in this kids protection trust, which protects that money then from her potential future issues like divorces and lawsuits. So this is very very popular in our office. Most of our estate plans now are providing the kids their inheritance in a trust rather than outright because we live in a litigious society where your kids could potentially be sued. We live in a situation where there's a whole lot of divorces going on out there. And so if I've worked my whole life to accumulate some stuff and I'm going to leave those leftovers to my daughter when I pass away, I certainly don't want my daughter to lose that to uh, a, a rocky marriage. All right. So we're doing a lot of planning for that. Um, so Margot and her difficult marriage, and I forget her husband's name, we, we might want to do some planning. Let's not forget for a second, though, that um, with regard to the relationship between Clark and Margot, the neighbors, we got a liability issue. He keeps breaking her stuff, right, the ice cubes through the through the window and the, the Christmas tree that might have been hers that he cut down. And so after, you know, the holidays and New Year's and all the rest of this movie, Margot is probably going to sue Clark. And now Clark has a legal liability issue. He probably also has a legal liability issue because Cousin Eddie blew up the sewer on his property. And, of course, they can't come after Cousin Eddie because Cousin Eddie doesn't have anything. And so now we got Clark with some legal issues following this Merry Christmas. And, you know, it might have been smart for Clark to do some asset protection work ahead of time. Uh, what if we had the house in a trust? What if we had some money in a trust that would protect it from potential creditors? Um is something that that maybe Clark would have wished he would have thought about a few months prior, you know, around uh, Halloween or Thanksgiving before this whole craziness ensued. Okay, a uh, couple of other issues we got to talk about. Can't can't ignore the issue of Aunt Bethany and her dementia. Um, so Aunt Bethany comes and they ask her to say grace, and she says this line that my kids love: "The grace she died thirty years ago, right?" And then and then Lewis yells at her and says, "No, no, no, the blessing, right?" And you remember what she does. She says the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, and it's, it's really a comical thing, but dementia is not funny. And the holidays seems to be a place, I talked about this on last week's episode, the holidays seem to be a place where families find out that Aunt Bethany is slipping, right? Um, she, she's having to hear the stories again and again. She is... Um, saying things like the Pledge of Allegiance instead of a prayer. She is she yells, play ball, after the explosion at the end. Um, and so so Bethany quite quite apparently is has some early onset dementia. I don't know if it's early. She she seems pretty uh, pretty elderly. But anyway, she's got some dementia going on in the, in the thing. And her husband, Lewis, he is kind of reckless. You know, he sets a Christmas tree on fire, smoking in the house. Um, so now we got a situation we got to recognize – that Clark and Ellen probably need to recognize that Aunt Bethany 
and Bethany needs some help because Lewis probably isn't taking good enough care of her. Um, he's reckless. He falls asleep on the couch and stuff all the time, setting Christmas trees on fire. So who is taking care of Bethany? Because she's probably a wander risk at this point. You know, her dementia is such that she could walk out the front door and go for a walk, and nobody knows where she is, and she doesn't know how to get home. Uh, and so Bethany's probably headed toward long-term care. Now, we, we don't get much of a snapshot into Bethany's financial picture, but Lewis seems to be fairly healthy. He might live another 10 or 15 years. And what happens if Bethany uh, ends up in a nursing home? You know, nursing homes in Pennsylvania right now cost 15000 bucks a month. And so if she ends up in a nursing home, how are we going to be sure that, that Lewis still has a house to live in? How do we make sure that she gets the care she needs? She's in a supported environment. She's getting the care she needs. And if we can help it, we don't go broke in the process. Um, and that's where the use of an elder law attorney would come in. Beth, it is it, it, clear to me, Aunt Bethany and Lewis need an elder law attorney. We need to make sure we've got good powers of attorney in place. We may want to consider doing some asset protection work. If she does need long-term care placement this year, which it, it's looking kind of that way, we had better, uh, we'd better talk through this again. Do we need personal care? Do we need assisted living? Do we need skilled care? Could Lewis benefit by having some help come into the house to help take care of Bethany? Um, so this is this is quite classic what we call in our case in our, in our office a, a life care case. Um, it, here at the Secular Law Firm, we have a social worker on our staff that helps in these situations to help people get the right level of care. And then from a legal standpoint, from a financial standpoint, we try to line up that care in a fashion that the family doesn't go broke. Um, I'm having some fun this episode. I hope you're finding it kind of funny, kind of interesting. I want to learn more about estate planning generally. You ought to come to um, to one of our upcoming workshops. We do them all the all the time, a couple times a month in our office or in the local community around us here. Uh, you can find out all about our workshops by going to secklerlawfirm.com, S-E-C-H-L-E-R lawfirm.com, or give us a call, 724-546-4227. While you're on the website, there's a whole bunch of helpful information. We've got some videos that we have on there of frequently asked questions. I've got dozens and dozens of articles and blog posts on, on the website at this point in time. Uh, I've done over 100 of these radio shows at this point in time, which you can find linked to our website or on Apple iTunes. Um, lots and lots of helpful information. I mean, we are an, we are truly an education-first law firm. I provide as much information as I can because I want to see you make good uh, decisions. And you can find a lot of that information uh, on our website, including things about the long-term care system. What is the difference between a personal care home and an, and an assisted living? What's the difference between an assisted living and a skilled nursing facility? How do we pay for these things? What does Medicare pay for? What does Medicaid pay for? Don't go into these situations like apparently Aunt Bethany and Lewis are doing uh, where it, it is, um, it's not real clear that they have a plan for how she's going to get her care, else she would probably already be getting it. Two more issues I want to chat about. One is we got to talk about Frank Shirley here. Frank Shirley, remember, is the boss who does the Jelly of the Month come. He he, uh, he cancels the Christmas bonus without telling anybody. Right? What a jerk! Right? Even her own uh, his own wife when when she arrives at the house after cousin Eddie kidnaps Frank Shirley, um, she uh, she gives him a hard time. Even the the police officer gives him a hard time about this. So I infer that Frank Shirley's company might be having a little bit of financial trouble, right? He's, he's um, 
<clears throat> not paying the people what he paid them last year without even telling them. Um, now, if you happen to own a business, there's a solution for this this year. If you guys are having some trouble, you need to check out the employee retention tax credit. Um, if you haven't seen it, there's a, everybody's talking about this now. There's we've been talking about it for months, but there's now television commercials. You probably like I, I own my business. I'm getting emails from strangers offering me to help with their employee retention tax credit. So what is it? Employee retention tax credit is money that you can get back from the IRS because more than likely, if you own a business, you overpaid your payroll taxes back in 2020 and 2021. There was a COVID area tax credit called the employee retention tax credit, where essentially the IRS said, thanks for keeping all these people employed and not laying them off when we shut down your business. Um, here is a credit against the payroll taxes. But back in 2020 and 2021, none of us took the credit because we didn't understand it. And so now what's occurring, now that we understand this credit better, lots and lots of employers are going back to 2020 and 2021 and amending their old tax returns because we essentially overpaid our taxes. If you want to learn more about this here at the law firm, we've gotten pretty heavily involved. Give me a call. Uh, we can tell you all about it. It's a lot of money. It's up to $26,000 per employee between 2020 and 2021. So call me, 724-546-4227. I'll chat with you about that for free to see if it might be a fit for you. Again, 724-546-4227 or um, find out more information at our website, secularlawfirm.com. So Frank Shirley needs to apply, if it were this year, he needs to apply for the employee retention tax credit. He'll get some money back from the IRS and then he can reinstate the bonuses uh, for uh, for his employees okay so there's frank shirley uh and i got one more thing i want to chat about here with uh with clark clark remember the scene where clark gets stuck in the attic right and the rest of the family all all of them go to the mall or something and, and now here is clark and it's a great scene he's walking around hitting himself with boards and stuff in the face and he gets dressed in in the women's clothes that he finds to keep warm and then what's he find he finds the old uh eight millimeter player and he starts watching the home videos from when he was a kid all right well here's the thing clark those uh those old films they deteriorate over time right and and clark is watching these films and he starts crying he's kind of an emotional guy in the first place and so you know here's clark and he's watching these films and you know what what he didn't do what i would love to see him do is to share that those videos with other people so if you have these old videos whether they're on vhs or the old eight millimeter thing or even if you have them online um it's time to convert those to digital. There are organizations we could hook you up with that will do this. Um, you convert those to digital. Then, once they're digital, you put them on an online format. Again, there's, there's places that do this better than others. But then, what you can do is you can essentially set it up so that when you ultimately pass away, all these memories, all these old videos and pictures and stuff can be shared with whoever you say that uh, should get it. You know, back in, back in the day, and even today still, the thing that families fight most about in an estate, like after someone passes away, is not really the money. I mean, yeah, sometimes people fight about money. But I can't tell you how many fights we have to try to help resolve where people are talking and fighting over family heirlooms. In the pictures of grandma, the um, you know the the old photo albums. Right, that's an easily solvable problem today. We you scan it, you make it digital, you share it with everybody. But few people take the time to do this while they're alive. You know, and, and in most families now there isn't a photo album anymore. It's all on their phones, 
And so what happens with all of those pictures? I got thousands and thousands and thousands of pictures on my phone of my children. Um, and if I pass away, what happens with those pictures? What about the pictures on there? I've got vacation pictures. My mom and I, just the two of us, took a vacation this year. There's videos from our vacation this year. If I pass away, how do I make sure my mom gets those videos? you got to think about this stuff. Estate planning isn't just about the finances. Estate planning also incorporates planning for the memories and the legacy and the digital assets. You know, I, I ask my clients this question all the time. Ask yourself this question. Can you name all eight of your great-grandparents because almost no one can not even the first name so we live these long long lives seeking significance and three generations later our own family won't remember our first name but here's the thing we're curious about this right i mean look at look at ancestry.com all the people that go to just find old passport photos and stuff of the great-great-grandparents it's not that hard of a stretch to think that my great-great-grandchildren might want to learn more about me and my life and my kids and all the rest. And I've got all these things on my phone that could be infinitely shared now. Now that everything's digital, my great-great-great-great-grandkids can see the photos on my phone. Maybe we ought to think about how to plan for these things. It's a thing we teach our clients to do here at the Secular Law Firm in addition to just planning for the money in the retirement account in the house. Okay, So there are the lessons that we can learn from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation as it relates to proper estate planning. I hope you found this episode kind of funny. Uh, I hope you uh, were able to learn a lesson or two. Maybe it even sparked your interest in doing some estate planning. Come check out one of our workshops, uh, secularlawfirm.com. Remember, uh, this show is for your entertainment and information. It is not legal advice. If you need some legal advice, reach out to us at 724-546-4227. Happy holidays, folks. This has been the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by the Seckler Law Firm, where great families make great plans. SecklerLawFirm.com or call 724-841-1393.